up, ACL Nation? It's me, Michelle Thompson, here with Around the ACL, and I am joined by Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione, and we uh, just got back from Vegas. Some of us literally just got back from Vegas, Trey. <laughs> uh, about 20 minutes ago. I look at my watch, but my watch is dead because I've been up for 24 hours, so I don't even know why I have this thing on. <laughs> it's just Crazy. completely, um, yeah, a cluster, well, you know what. So uh, traveling sucks, although I will say for this one, for me, an hour flight, I can't really complain. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Trey, how, I mean, Anthony, how was your travel back? Uh, we, we got delayed, too. It wasn't as bad as what, what Trey was saying. That was pretty crazy. But we did get delayed to where we walked in the house about 2 a.m. Uh, Sunday night. So Monday was a little rough at work, but... <laughs> My my situation sounds like nothing, like a breeze compared to what Trey is going through. <laughs> I know. I almost feel bad uh, I mean, about how good mine was. Makes me feel bad. But I have to say, there's been many times where I had to travel across, and it was not so lovely. So I needed my one easy one. You got the uh, we are, done. Yeah, exactly. We are, of course, talking about the kickoff battle that happened in Las Vegas that we were all at as our first national of the season. Um, it was Vegas, so amplify it by like 100 in terms of intensity in all the different areas. Felt like 17 years. Um, <laughs> I felt like I got as little sleep as one person could possibly get in a four-day period of working. Uh, that's pretty much Vegas in a nutshell, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just uh, the event was work and then everything outside of it was work too just felt yeah. like it just felt like a grind the entire time so <laughs> exactly. the players i mean honestly some of the players you know it, it, it's it's a grind it's a mental grind and there's so much out there when it comes to vegas to it, it, it there's another dimension of it being a mentally challenging event absolutely and i feel like the people under 21 almost have an advantage uh, I can't be yes. lured into <laughs> all the festivities of Vegas. Yeah, Alex Hicks was probably in bed at ten at nine o'clock every night, and he was, he was, just, he was just good, good to, to go. go. <laughs> just eight hours of sleep, <laughs> oh, solid man. breakfast, good, good to go in the morning. All right, let's dive into it. I want to start with uh, pro doubles. In first place, we had Kyle Malone and Cody Johnson. Second place, Storm Hogue and Jacob Trzinski. And then the third, we had Jordan Power and Jay Rubin and Trey Birchfield and Alex Rawls. Definitely not the lineup we were expecting, I would say, collectively, um, but really, really entertaining and good stuff. Fun seeing some new faces on the broadcast, fun seeing the nerves besides Trey, the veteran. Uh, but yeah, what are your thoughts on the uh, pro double action, Trey? Yeah, so uh, I think you said it best. There was there were some big surprises, right? Uh, uh, Kyle Malone gets back into the form that he's been in, you know, for, for the, he's previously been at the top of the the national rankings in doubles. He won two national events in 2020. 2021 didn't have a successful of the year in doubles, but he's kind of right back into that form. I mean, so you got to start thinking about where Kyle Malone ranks all time in the doubles category because he's just shown that he can win with multiple people and do it at a really high level. I was impressed by Cody Johnson. Obviously, Storm Hogue and Jacob Trzinski. Impressed by what I saw with Storm Hogue, but really validation on the fact that Jacob Trzinski is a rookie pro that is going to make some noise. We've been talking about him out of the Northeast as being someone that was a very talented shooter, right? But wasn't sure if he was going to be, say, to the level of Tony Smith, um, you know, another player out of that Northeast conference that we think is, is a true leader of that entire group. So there's, 
there, there's a lot there. Um, you know, Jamie Graham and Matt Guy, there was a section of that tournament where I thought they were just going to win the whole thing. Um, so I, 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 I got to give them even more hats off to Kyle Malone and Cody Johnson for what they did in double dipping those two. Uh, Cheyenne Renner, James Baldwin, another team that I think had a strong showing. They have a tough bracket. You know, their two losses were to um, you know, the top two teams in that bracket. One of them won the whole thing. So it's, yeah. you know, I don't think you can be be too, too upset there. I love what I saw from the Hollands. Well, I'll talk a little bit about Josh Holland as well in a bit. Um, but he was consistent, and Derek w- played exceedingly well, and they came just a game short from making that final. So um, a lot of different names stick out to me, but I think that this continues to be almost a, a year of the rookies uh, in a way. Tra- uh, Trey Birchfield being able to be a big leader for Alex Rawls, but I thought Alex Rawls played well, really well all, all week long. So. Um, so yeah, more rookies continue to shine even on the double side. Um, but again, big, big kudos just to Cody Johnson and Kyle Malone to be able to go through that gauntlet that they did and come out and win the whole thing. And I have to say, I'm curious for viewers, we had short shorts, uh, mullets. I mean, what do people think about <laughs> and I know someone had a sweet mustache, didn't make it to the broadcast, but just, just wondering what the world thinks about Cornhole when they see this on TV. Uh, the short shorts by Trzinski were, uh, were 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 good. Yeah, uh, as, uh, my favorite part of Trzinski the whole the whole time was in his semifinal interview. You know, the question was, "What's going to be the key to 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 win in the to win the whole thing here?" And he said, "You just got to be ice cold. Like, <laughs> oh uh, got to be ice cold." So I mean, he was. You got to show, and you got to yeah. show some thigh. Apparently, that's what. You yes, mean. you got to show some thigh. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, thoughts on doubles? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thought. No one picked that doubles final. I mean, uh, it, what, what, what it, for me, I'm just loving the talent depth itself, showing it with completely different and un- unexpected baggers, you know, grinding their way to those to those doubles brackets. Sh- uh, share the same thing as you, Trey. Overly impressed with Kyle Malone, Cody Johnson, Storm Hogue, and Trzinski with their finishing performance in both bracket play and the finals. So we knew Malone was fire, right? But... He took it to that next, that extra level. I mean, we've seen Malone play at an elite level, but he went another level above that. Uh, same thing with Hogue. We've seen him deep in brackets for a while. Um, but Misha, it was really Johnson and Trzinski showing up on the big stage was an awesome breakout performance for them and really just an overall remarkable performance. So kind of just in the details, like if we look at bracket, I'll just kind of go through each bracket. Bracket A, we said Matt Guy, Jamie Graham out of the left was expected you know, guy doing guy things, but Jamie Graham really showing up, throwing solid bags uh, coming out of that left side of the bracket. But it was the right side of that bracket that where it gets interesting. We said Renner and Baldwin or Smith Wooten coming out of the right. That was almost the right side finals. Wooten and Smith losing a really close one, 21-19 with Renner and Baldwin ending up taking the right side. Um, but here's where it gets interesting. You know, Kyle Malone and Cody Johnson were absolutely unconscious uh, they had a five-game run where they had to ultimately take down um, the finals number one champ, and that was impressive to say the least. So they come out of that losers bracket, working through a Renner Baldwin from from the losers bracket, and then like you said, guy or uh, Trey getting Graham and Guy not once but twice, knocking down the yeah. two scoops and doing it in eleven plus PPR fashion uh, in that bracket winners finals. Malone's airmail was absolutely ridiculous. In that final, um, first taking down Jordan Power and Jay Rubin, 
Then they get Hogan Trzinski, you know, a, a massive five game run run for them to end the ship and mad props to those boys. So for me, I'm really woke on the performance from Cody Johnson. Um, yeah. Like I said, we know Malone is really good, but it was really Johnson that kind of just was what I took away as, as a big surprise and really just big props to him. Um, yeah, Mish, I don't know, Kyle Malone and Cody Johnson flexing and really amongst if you kind of walk around the um walk around the facility towards the end of that, there was just this murmur of everyone saying, Hey man, Cody Johnson is looking nice and, and Cody and, and Kyle Malone as well. So everybody amongst the, the pros shared the same thing. And bracket B, um, we're gonna go right to directly to the right side. So it was Jeremy Shermerhorn and Derek Singleton. A couple weeks back, I talked about Shermerhorn and Singleton's struggle bus. Uh, and just how it was a rough appearance for them in open play. And I raised the question, with the rush of talent coming into the league, does the game pass them by as a team in doubles? Well, the answer is no. I mean, Shermer Horn and Singleton, <laughs> right? Really shutting me up on that one with their doubles performance this week. They take a Shocking. game. Two. What's that, Trey? Shocking. Absolutely. And, you know, whether they were motivated by that or they just kind of, kind of finally brought forward what they've got. I mean, they take a game two loss to Smith and Voyer. And that's hard. When you take a game two loss, you're looking at like eight or nine games to get your way to the bottom of that final. And they flip a switch. I mean, they go on a six game winning streak, taking out teams like Zaft and Hadley, Spees and Beamer, Harbaugh and King King, by the way, looking really good in doubles. Uh, but, and then, and then they bust their way all the way to the finals, really a breakout nationals. Number one run for Shermerhorn and Singleton. Uh, ultimately Jay Rubin and Jordan power were too much to handle, but Ruben showing that he's still dominant at the top um, and power really saying, Hey, I'm rising to the, to the top. And it's not a short lived thing. I mean, the kid's here to stay. He was looking really nice out of bracket. C. Ryan Windsor and Cedro Herrera out of the right was predicted. They actually had a really tight one, uh, barely winning at 21 20, then went on a run all the way to the King seat um, from the Gore twins. And speaking of the Gore twins, Mish, we talked a little bit about it last time saying how crazy would it be for two players to come out of the PDC and make a run through the pro division, knocking out some, uh, some, some, some pros. And that's exactly what happened. Five doubles pros teams sent packing by the Gore twins as they bum rush their way through that losers bracket. They take fourth coming out of the PDC. So I thought that was an, an amazing uh, run for them. And to sum it up in bracket D we talked last week about the old versus kind of that new thing, the rookies versus the returning pros. So what ended up happening, four of those six players making up the top three teams, four of those six were rookies. Rawls showing up, you know, taking down the bracket with Birchfield. Birchfield having a lot of success this year with other partners. So it was really good to see Rawls show up and match Birchfield uh, in that performance. He actually, they actually ultimately threw identical PPRs. So Rawls basically right there with Birchfield. And then the father-son combo, um, Josh and Derek, like you said, Trey, they take second place. And then uh, the rookie, Austin Slobom and veteran Frank Modlin rounding out the top three. So kind of in summary, Jacob Trzinski was super fun to watch on the big show. And, and, and he brought this kind of electric style, you know, this really big personality. And what was awesome is he matched that with his stats. It wasn't just all noise and talk. He led the pack with a 10.26 PPR in that finals. Hogue was killing it. And what people don't know, I thought this was interesting. Hogan Trzinski had to make two bag changes in those two games on ESPN, yes. right? So they get to the first game, and to match color compliance, they had some non-compliant colors. 
had to switch to a backup bag they had, but then they get they switch to a black, but then they get to the finals and there's black on black going on as the lower seed. They had to switch bags again. <laughs> they yeah. didn't have a bag, so they went and borrowed a set, and that's what they threw in the finals uh, against Malone and Johnson. So real impressive to see what they can do. But ultimately, Kyle Malone's airmail was just ridiculous. I really think that was the difference for him, especially in those last five games to get all the way to the end. Led the bracket finals uh, and con- and continued in the ESPN uh, broadcast. So Mish. Kind of in summary, Cody Johnson, uh, he just wouldn't miss. And I was right behind the board. I had a really good look. He just kept firing at the hole. So uh, being my first time seeing him, it, I was really uh, just extra impressed with his performance in doubles. Absolutely. We also yeah. have to mention. Oh, go ahead, go Trey. Ahead. Well, I was I was going to ask about any teams that disappointed you, Anthony. But because um, I, I got I got two in mind that, that I was I was surprised with. One of them was Jimmy Humans and Tyler Cobb. Didn't really see them. I I had convinced myself that they were going to beat that first round game, Adam Hisner and Cody Henderson, pretty good because Hisner and Henderson hadn't been throwing up to their par just yet, and and they lose that game. They drop into losers well, Tyler, bracket. Tyler said he wasn't himself, so I was walking out with him at the end, like on Sunday, and he's like, I couldn't, I couldn't get it. Like I just it wasn't my weekend. He was really disappointed in himself. Yeah, that's interesting. And then the other one. Jacob Foreman and Matthew Creekiller go one and two yeah. in pro doubles. I mean, that was a shock to me. I mean, I what what the, I mean, uh, they're in my hot take that they were gonna get. They were my very specific hot take that they were gonna beat Jordan Power and Jay Rubin in game one of the double dip and then lose the second game. And they go one and two. Are you kidding me? Are yeah. you kidding me? Come on, guys. Yeah. What's what's really hard is you know if you look at just raw records. I mean. Once you dig deeper into the brackets, some of those losses, you're like, okay, I can see why they lost. You know, it's almost like we had a lot of, you get down to the bracket, the loser's bracket, and then you're going against another top 15 doubles team. And right. it's like, oh my gosh, I just went back to back insane game. So yeah, it's tough with the, uh, before, you know, maybe it changes. I don't know. What do you think, Trey? Once we get into the next nationals and we kind of get some seating yeah, going seating, on. Seating's going to help a lot more. It's going to help a lot more. I was just going to bring up the um, awesome different hashtags we got out of this weekend. Trey's famous pulley bush was a great one. That was um, that's got to be a thing from now on. Uh, hey, the dipple, that's, that's a real thing. The dipple tots uh, was another great one. Uh, <laughs> Wally on on Sunday said clug instead of he was trying to say clug clogged the hole, but clog and plug became clug. Plug clogged um, the hole. Yeah, <laughs> We, we got a lot of this is what happens when our commentary team's talking eight hours a day. So yeah, uh, right. we're all getting tired. And then he's trying to say, like, see you in a little bit and see you soon. At the end, he's like, see you in a Sue. It's just <laughs> the most random things. I was like, did you really just say that? He's like, leave me alone. Awesome. Um, so oh, yeah, great, that. great live streams and uh Trey on the broadcast saying Pulley Bush was by far my favorite. Um, but aside from that, let's go into singles. Uh, for singles, we had Matt guy. And I was saying to, I don't remember who I was talking to. I'm like, if he doesn't win, like we all need to clear the room. Like, I don't think it's going to be safe. Yeah. <laughs> like we need to be careful, but he does. He takes the win. Second place, Doug Zapt. Third, Dylan Turpin and uh, Mark Richards. So I'll start with, uh, I'll start with you again, Trey. What are your thoughts on singles? Well, first, okay. I, I think this becomes bad news for everybody is that now that Matt guy has won, and it's the most important stage. It's it's more important than an open. 
it tells you that it was not a curse and it was a coin flip. That means that guy is currently one in four on coin flips, which tells you going into the rest of these nationals, odds are he's going to keep doing really, really well. (laughs) So, I mean, he had a couple close games, but for the most part, I mean, he was just dialed in and locked in and and playing at the highest level that he could. Um, Doug Zaft, I don't think I could be more happy for someone um, uh, that's in a position like Doug Zaft. I mean, he has, he is our longest tenured ACL pro or ACL player west of the Mississippi. Doug Zaff went to the first ever Mega Gate, which was an American tailgating league event in Las Vegas in 2011. So he has longer tenure playing ACL events than I do. So Doug Zaft has been around and been a supporter forever. It was amazing to see his breakout there. It was just special to watch. I think we got to start having legitimate conversations about Mark Richards. Um, and, and when I Big say facts. legitimate converse, conversation, I mean like that dude is legit. Um, and he uh, – I don't know where to rank him right now, but right now he is playing unbelievably well. And the only loss he had was to Matt Guy, and it was close. I mean, it, it was it was close all the way to the end. So um, – I thought that that was impressive. Dylan Turpin, that the the same level of surprise that I had with Cody Johnson on the double side is the same level of surprise that I had from Turpin because Turpin did not show that level of play. I mean, for him, for him to beat Tanner Halbert twice, and Tanner Halbert was coming out swinging, and he was someone that I, I, I. I all my other picks, you know, weren't as good as I wanted them to be. But the uh, at least at least when it came to, um, you know, Tanner Halbert and my rookie of the year pick, he he started the season very very well. So I was happy with that. Um, but but ultimately, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, Dylan Turpin was was an absolute shock to me and something that I I, d- I did not see coming. But um, but yeah, but yeah, I, I was really impressed by some of the rookies again. Josh Holland, I think, is is getting there. Um, as far as being a top-level talent. Alex Hicks, I mean, he looked like he was going to win the bracket. And then all of a sudden he ran into Doug Zaft, and it was like, what the hell? I mean, Didn't he beat someone someone really good? Who am I thinking of? He beat him, like, just destroyed him. He beat Eric Davis 27 to 0. That's what it was. Alex Hicks. I mean, that's that's incredible. Um, and, And Doug Zaft, going back to Doug Zaft real quick, it's just the nature of the beast and scheduling. I don't know if he would have won, but I promise you if that pro singles final was held on Friday, he would have been it would have been Close. a closer game than 21 to 8 or 21 to 7 or whatever ever and end up being in the finals against Matt Guy because he was ridiculous. And he was absolutely ridiculous on Friday. I mean, like I said, you don't you don't beat Alex 6 21 to 2 without uh, having a pretty good week. So, yeah. Um, and then dis- the only you know di- disappointment's a kind of a strong word. James Baldwin, uh, I think one and two or two and two. Um, uh, Cheyenne Renner was not a disappointment. She just had a brutal bracket, and I think she's going to benefit a lot from um, just kind of reseeding once we get to the second national. So I'm not I'm not worried about her, even though her finish isn't up to her standards. I'm not really worried about that right now. Um, but Cody Henderson. I think either was one and two or zero oh and two or two and two. I mean, he was out quick, 
And then Tony Smith, um, he didn't have that poor of a performance, but at the same time, you know, a lot of people expected Tony Smith to win his bracket. Uh, talking to this is a good stat for you. Talking to DraftKings, the only liability that they had was on Tony Smith because so many people hammered his money line, which was I think twenty one hundred or or twenty five hundred or something like that. And so people were laying down money on Tony Smith because they're like, oh, he's going to win his bracket. But and when he didn't. Vegas wins again. So um, <laughs> Vegas so always I, wins. <laughs> so ultimately, I, I, it's not necessarily something I need for panic for Tony Smith. It's just kind of like I expected just a little bit more. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I have to say, Tanner Helpert, I haven't seen him throw much. Um, every time I saw him throw, I was impressed. I feel like he did a great job. Yeah. Anthony, thoughts on singles? Yeah, big picture, and just to kind of keep hammering that rookie talent through, uh, six of the top 12 finishes uh, in singles were rookies, so they made up half of that top 12. And, and the, like you said, the, the bracket winners, really quite a surprise. We had a rookie, a 30-ranked pro from last season, and a 43-ranked pro from last season. But, hey, big props to Doug Zaff, Dylan Turpin, and Mike Richards, like you were saying, Trey. Um, you know, run, what a run for these boys. But to kind of get into the details of the brackets, let's kind of resurface what we said from last week um, in the previous episode and kind of compare that to what happened. So bracket A, we said 2020 J.B. Graham is back, and we predicted a strong showing. Uh, he finishes with a 10.41 PPR, which led bracket A. Uh, a winner's side loss to Turpin, and Turpin threw fire. He was a 10.94 in that match. So Jamie ended up shooting a 10.24 and loses 21 to 9. Which was pretty, which was pretty nuts. Insane. Yeah, I mean, ultimately Graham takes fourth in the bracket, so a great start for him. I know he wants more, so and I think he'll come and get it. We said Windsor would take down bracket A. Wrong. So yeah. <laughs> I blew that one. I wasn't even close on that prediction. He takes thirteenth. Windsor, my MVP pick of the year, um, which you know was overall doubles and singles. Had a good doubles performance, but um, you know a little bit at risk with that singles. That first singles, he finishes. Uh, just want to mention though, he did finish third. The third highest DPR with a 0.61, but still takes 13th, uh, taking a first-round loss to a Greg Polis coming out of the PDC. Um, another example of a PDC just kind of ruining some days. I said rookie Philip Lopez, a threat to make the finals. He killed it. Uh, so he finished one way away from the finals. And check out this insane run for Lopez. He takes a second-round loss in singles, which means he has to go on a 9 win run to get back to the championship he gets eight of those nine so he almost gets there he sends these eight pros packing he gets delbert foreman gundle kenzie beach berkeley pear he gets the open singles winner noah almanza he gets aj sims who was fire if you look at the stats he was absolute fire that day damon dennis and jamie graham so wow. a really solid run yeah for lopez i mean uh finally uh losing to halbert in the uh to get in that lord to get to that through through the losers bracket final taking third overrun so an awesome run for him and a lot of signature wins so he's going to definitely do some work ultimately though like you were saying Trey Dylan Turpin with a monster showing to start the pro season signature wins against Elmanza Graham and Tanner Halbert um he really just sealing at the right time we talked about that you know what does your ceiling look like he threw a 10.41 in the second scoop of the finals versus Halbert to take down that bracket A. I love this win because so many times we hear players saying, hey, 
this player is underrated. You know, a lot of talking about how underrated players are, but Dylan doing it, not talking, and instead showing it yeah. uh, that he was an underrated player and came out taking down that bracket A. So really, really impressed with that one. And ultimately, he came down. He was four points away from playing Matt Guy in that ESPN final. So that final, that first playoff game in the uh, winner's brackets finals, he was right there. So well done, Dylan Turpin. Uh, bracket B, I said whoever comes out of the right side will win bracket B. Why? We had Eric Davis, Devin Harbaugh, Jordan Power, Stephen Bernasett, and Alex Hicks all in the right side. That's two top 10 players from last season, an open singles winner, a national champ, and a trending top five player all in the right side. What actually ended up happening? Doug Zaft out of the left of that bracket saying, bad call, Anthony. He yeah. throws a, right? He throws a <laughs> ceiling match for the king seat. So he, again, ceiling at the right time. He throws an 11.33 against Alex Hicks to get that king seat, uh, knocking off Jordan Power in the finals to take down B. He averaged a 10.22 and a bracket-high .81 DPR uh, in bracket play. He gets his first bracket playoff match against Dylan Turpin, like you were saying, ultimately falling to, uh, to Guy in the finals. But that's a 43-ranked bagger from last season coming out to the kickoff battle and winning it all with a bang. So, Or winning his bracket and making a run all the way to the, to the finals with a bang. So I think a huge win for the West. And certainly a career breakout performance for Zaft. Um, I did want to mention Trey Hunt. He had a nice run. Eric Davis showing up again. Harbaugh not as deep as I thought, but still a good run. Um, bracket C, we said the bracket final would come out of the right. That's what ended up happening. You already mentioned it, Trey. Mark Richards came out of there. I'm telling you, it's similar to the Malone thing. There's just this, and it was probably even more of a murmur about Mark Richards. All of the pros really just murmuring around the facility about how nasty Mark Richards' games, uh, how how nasty his game was, and and collectively it was about how scary Mark Richards' demeanor is. I mean, he seems yeah. really controlled. Um, there was a moment in the match against Matt Guy. I think the score was like twenty to seventeen. He threw a perfect slide shut up the right side to get back in, into the uh, into that round. It ends up bunching on him. Perfect spot. He hit his shot. It bunches. Most people would drop their bags or they would kind of yell at the board or kind of step out and have. He stayed cool, calm, collected, stayed right in the box, called a timeout. He went and looked, came back, took his shot. I was just really impressed about how control he had of his emotions, especially at a moment where he's sitting there going, I could have just lost this game to get to ESPN. So I was really impressed with that one. He throws a 10-4-5 PPR, and here's the big one, a 1-1-6 DPR, leading in both categories in his bracket, dominating bracket C. He The most points he allowed was 12. In that entire tournament, That's five crazy. out of his seven matches, he only allowed single digits. So That's crazy. killed it, right? Killed it in that bracket. Back of course. <laughs> I, did <want> to <laughs> rest, I did want to mention Tyler Parent out of the West. Another surprising run, uh, but good props to him. Uh, made it all the way. I think he took third overall. Um, and really, and it was really close. Uh, that third place match against Duncan Glimmer, I want to say it was 21-20. So a good run for him. And that's Last the bracket. almost crazy bar of soap, by the way, that Doug and Clemmer did that I got to witness. Oh, did you in he that match? Two bags, he pushed two bags over the hole. They went up, and then instead of staying up, they just fell back in the hole. But he pushed two bags over the hole. Wow. It was crazy. That's crazy. Insane. Yeah, so bracket D, uh, we talked about that bottom right death quadrant. Um, Alex Rawls versus Renner in round one. Guy versus Jeff Reynolds in round two. 
then the winner of that, the winner of that plays each other. So someone's going to go 0 and 2. Reynolds ends up getting the 0 and 2. Uh, he's out after two games. Guy comes out and runs all the way to the final. But who runs all the way to the final with him is interesting. Uh, coming out of that death section as well as Alex Rawls. So the bracket final made up of that death quadrant uh, Trey that we talked about. Um, you know, leading up to that. So. Rawls, two losses on the day, both to Matt Guy, a solid singles run for him. I did want to mention Jackson Gore coming out of the PDC, takes fourth. He blows up the pro bracket, knocks Corley down, Maya Cup down, Matthew Morton down. He knocks down Matthew Sorrells uh, and almost gets the GOAT. His match against Matt Guy was 21-18, goes down and knocks out a Steven Ochoa out of the bracket. So another example of, of PDC doing work in bracket play. Um, Cody did have some rough moments in this, this weekend, but I did want to, I did, it was surprising to see his overall stats and singles. He ended up throwing a 10.33 over 70 yeah. rounds. I was going to say that too. It, the, the stats didn't match the, the result at all. Yeah. I mean, you throw it and ultimately what ended up happening is he probably got hot after getting kicked out of the tournament, goes into the stacks and then just yeah. start crushing PPRs. He takes 49th, but through a 10.33. So, you know, That's ceiling crazy. at the wrong time, if you will. Real yeah. quick before we move on, real quick before I move on, yeah. MVP candidates right now. I'm thinking, really, there's two that stand. Do you remember, do you know exactly where Richards and Lopez finished in their bracket? Not offhand. Okay, because I might throw Richards in there, but I think the top two got to be you know, Matt Guy and Jordan Power. I think they were probably the closest to being both top finishers in singles as well as doubles. I mean, I think I think that's they, they got to be close, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think they were uh, – Richards and, and uh, Lopez were up there. So, yeah, good point. But certainly Guy is just – he's going to be I just, almost untouchable. <laughs> I know he is. I mean, yeah, you look at those PPR standings, Matt Guy, he's got such a big jump. Like from him being first and his stat of what like ten well it was ten point six five before this I don't know what it is now after this national and then whoever came in second and that being somewhere in the nines I believe so it's like this this huge gap between Matt Guy and everyone else yeah, definitely so pretty definitely. gonna be crazy really quick just going through uh, senior single senior singles we had Damon Dennis take the win followed by Chucky Love women's doubles we had Cheyenne Renner and Sarah Cassidy uh, and then in second Lori Duell and Connie Altice. In the pro blind draw, Kyle Malone and Cameron Presley took first, and Eric Davis and Jacob Foreman talk about another incredible bar of soap that we got to see there from Eric Davis. Insane. I went up to him after I said, What in the world? He's like, Well, I had to hit it. Had <laughs> like, to. Just like, like, it's no big deal. Like, yeah, but that was insane. Um, and then that's for the Kyle Malone, teams, I just wanted to say that's what Kyle Malone yeah. did too. I went to him after beating Matt Guy, and I'm like, Hey, man, you just threw an 11 3 3 to win that. And Without phasing me, he's going, well, that's what I had to do to beat Matt Guy. Yeah, you know, like, that. What was my other option? Um, and then the pro teams, the Aviators and the Woodchucks start out with a 4-0 uh, rounds there. And just wanted to shout out to the Woodchucks. And because that's the team that I was – well, I had to choose someone, and that's who I chose. So I'm just saying. Just making sure that's known. Making sure. It's better than my uh, choice. My choice went 0-4. Yeah. <laughs> I, right I was right there with you, Trey. All right. So maybe I know a little something. We'll see. <laughs> maybe not. Did you guys want to talk a little bit about the uh, teams and what, what happened there? 
Yeah, yeah. I thought it was really cool just to see the, the first ever team. Like, I just loved on Saturday morning, you just started seeing waves of players in team jerseys Colors. walking the facility. Well, facility. Actually, and I, have, were, I have to uh, admit, Trey, I might have slept through that entire morning. <laughs> well, either way, there was a ton, a ton of players just coming in. They were all taking group photos. It was cool to see the dynamics. And I just, uh, yeah, I thought it was a ton of fun um, and, and a cool opportunity to introduce a new format. It was, it was just, it was, it was really, really cool. Um, Aviators and the Woodchucks are the two four and O teams. Not very surprised by the Woodchucks. Um, a little bit surprised by the Aviators. The Aviators played really, really well together. Um, had some unique pairings, and I think part of the key was. Alex Rawls and Emery Parker on that Aviators team got a lot of wins. Yes, Alex Rawls was the first pick, but Emery Parker, I believe, was the seventh round pick. And when you can consistently get a lot of value out of that and get wins out of there, I think that's the key. On the Woodchucks, the Woodchucks lost a combined, I think, seven games across the four rounds, individual yep. games, which is outrageous considering how many and how many they played. One of those losses was when their captain and their number one overall pick <laughs> lost. Wow. Jamie Graham and Cheyenne Renner play together, and they lose a game in their matchup against the Sliders to, to Kaylee Hunter and Megan Moppin, and they still completely dominate the entire day. And that tells you something. They got a lot, they got a lot of contribution from two teams in particular. Brandon Davis and Sean Markov played at a very high elite level. And then at the bottom of their draft list, the last team that they put together, Brandon Selmeyer and Wendy Selmeyer got a bunch of wins uh, this past weekend for that that team. And that ultimately getting so many wins at the bottom, they're like, fine, Jamie Graham and Cheyenne Cheyenne Renner lose, no big deal. Tyler, Tyler Cobb and Derek Holland had a lot of good chemistry. They were both throwing tackier bags. It just... They, they were synced up, and so um, honestly, that team has shaped up to be something very, very interesting. Um, on the bad side, the sliders, 0-4. Um, maybe back to the drawing board if you're Brett Guy. You went with the strategy of drafting a lot of teams back-to-back, specifically some female teams. Um, don't play really well. Um, the worst record, uh, including games played, and then the bullies as well. I don't know what the heck happened with the bullies i mean that team is just yeah. too talented to lose um so they they got they just got maybe a lot of restructuring to do and see if they can find some find some better matchups now anthony was at the club with me the night before and somehow still made it to watch the teams and commentate on them so i got to prop <laughs> him <laughs> i couldn't make it out uh but what'd you think of teams anthony yeah, I mean, Trey covered it pretty well. I mean, just the biggest surprise for me was uh, two teams, the Carpet Burners. They were they were at the top in overall talent coming in, just looking at like averages on PPRs, but ultimately went zero and four. And then just the opposite, the Cutters was a th- was a uh, bottom yes. three team for me. Yeah, Trey, you gave them a C minus grade. They came out three and one with a fifteen and thirteen record. So that one surprised me in the opposite direction. So good job for the Cutters. Yeah, and the skunks were exactly who we thought they were. Two and two, they got blown out in two games, and they dominated two games. <laughs> so that, you just this is going to be the skunks all season long, just like up and down, <laughs> up and down. On a roller coaster. That was maybe Skunk the only one we got right. <laughs> yeah, you got to get one right. All right, let's move into buy or sell. 
Um, this is where I'm going to read something and you're going to let me know if you buy or sell it. The first one being Cody Johnson has entered the rookie of the year discussion. Trey, are you going to buy or sell? Yeah. So again, rookie of the year is just like MVP. It's the a top performing player across both singles and doubles. So Cody Johnson being a rookie wins the first doubles event. Um, I am going to sell it because I need a top finish in singles. It is tough to give someone an MVP award when they're winning a doubles event. Um, I'm ready to have that conversation once I see a top singles level finish. I'll sell for now, but still an incredible performance that he put together. Makes sense. Anthony, buy or sell? Yeah, so we're talking about in the discussion of the Rookie of the Year. And because, and this is, Trey, what you're saying is absolutely on point about singles, but I got to call two of his doubles matches and then sat right behind him on the ESPN in the finals match. I was blown away. So if he can do that or if he can translate that to singles play, he's definitely in the Rookie's Year of the discussion. Just based on being able to see those live columns, and see it, I'm going to actually buy that he's in the discussion of Rookie of the Year. What a win for him just to impress Anthony this much. Good job, Cody Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think that's something to take away from the weekend. I, I, it I is. <laughs> All right, second one being Matt Guy wins at least one more singles national. I don't feel like this is a hard one, but buy or sell. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, he's made it now into fields of 256 players of or more. He has now made it to the finals five straight times. Yeah. He's coming. And then if you add in the two other events, he's won another and he came in third in the other or fifth. I can't remember where he finished in Cincinnati. He was either third or fifth. He lost to uh, Babilia. But regardless, what I'm getting at is. If it truly is a coin flip once you get to the finals, like I've already said, Matt Guy's flipped tails, you know, four times in a row, and it's about time he starts flipping it. Now, I'll say this one thing. I'm still buying it. I'm still buying it. But we have, through these past few events, we know the recipe to beat Matt Guy. I know we know how to do it. It's just about doing it. You have to throw level one blocks on a consistent basis. Yeah. If you throw a level one block and can do it consistently every single time, that is how you beat Matt Guy because he's going to shoot an airmail. He's shown That's that if, as long as there's not one foot in the water, as Anthony likes to say, when there's a true level one block, he's going to go airmail and he's yeah. going to hit 60 to 65% of those airmails. <clears throat> but those, that's where your value is, is that yes. 30 to 35 to 40% that he misses. That's where you score your points. You have to lay the blocks. And then when he misses the airmails, you have to capitalize. And you have to be able to collect your bags. <laughs> I mean, yes. you know what I mean? You can't leave. You have to be able to finish too. So lay the blocker and also be able to take all your bags in at the end. Anthony, buy or sell? Yeah, Trey, solid analysis. I'm buying as well. And Mish, you could almost throw in, he's going to win one more nationals and the world championship. And I still might buy it. Yeah, I'm buying that. Yeah, one. I know. I'm with you there. <laughs> All right, Doug Zaff's run was an anomaly. Buy or sell? Um, tough. I am going to – it, it depends. I don't foresee Doug Zaff finishing in the Final Four at every single singles tournament for the rest of the year. I, I don't see that. But based on talking with him, I've seen an improvement. 
I now think Doug Zaft is in a top 20 to top 15 player position. He's ceiling this weekend, but I think he has greatly elevated his floor to a high level. And so because of that, I'll buy it in the sense that he's now a top 15 player. I think Anthony said he was 43rd last year. So it's no longer an anomaly for him to ceiling at the right time and get into a final four if he continues to play the way he is. Fair enough. Anthony? I align, I align with that exactly. I'll buy he's not a, not an anomaly. Do I think he's going to win the next, you know, would I pick him to win the next bracket at the next Nationals? Maybe not. I mean, it depends on who's in that bracket. But like you said, I think Trey's on point with that. Now he's in the discussion of a top 15 to 20 player. Do that again, and then we would start talking about inside 15. Okay. Number four, the bullies and sliders at 0-4 will bounce back and finish above 500. <clears throat> buy or sell. I'll I'll buy on the bullies. I'm still I'm doubling down. I don't care. I'm doubling down. Like, <laughs> hey, we were just in Vegas. It's fine. <laughs> doubling down on the bullies. I think the sliders are. Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough. It's the bullies. It's a different situation because I have all these individual players, and the way I matched them up this first weekend, maybe that was just terrible. And now I can just rearrange them all. The sliders. Right. I'm nervous if I'm the slider because I just put out all the doubles teams. And now, now I have to break up doubles teams. That's that's worrisome to me. Sell or buy. That's true. On the, buy on the bully, sell on the sliders. <laughs> Anthony, what do you think? Are you going to break it up too? Yeah, they're, they're going to have to do some work. Uh, I don't think they bounce back. I mean, they went 9-19 and 19 for the Bullies, 8-20 and 20 for the slider. I mean, they got to go on a winning streak to get above 500 at this point. Um I'm, I'm, I'm not going to buy that one. I'm not going to buy that they bounce back. Okay. All right, cool. Well, I just saw Mike hopped on. Let's, ha let's have Mike jump on and just give us about a few minutes here of just his uh, experience there at the uh, first kickoff battle. Welcome, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, I apologize for jumping in late. I literally just walked in the door 30 seconds ago and powered the computer on, so. No, you're fine. Hey, you got to join you we, got, we, got five, we got six we got minutes five. for yeah. you, Mike. Five, five, six all right, outstanding. <laughs> the, first of all, the, the bad news is, is the over-under on my various locations did not tick up one notch this week. I know. I was really I would, hoping we could oh, get one. <laughs> this is a perfect opportunity to do it. This is a perfect <laughs> opportunity, too. So, so real quickly, guys, I just want to throw out, I, I apologize. I didn't get to hear uh, if you guys talked about any of this, but parody was the word of the day for me. Uh, when you looked up and down the bracket finishes, it was absolutely amazing the names that you were seeing, where you were seeing them, and it's because of the the depth of the talent. So I, I know you guys have likely hit on that, but there's one section of one of the brackets that I just wanted to read off. These in one bracket, this was your 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th place players. Okay, 13th through 17th in a bracket: Windsor, Ruben, Brooks. Pear and Schlobaum. <laughs> if you would have told me that that five finished one through five, I would have believed that more than I would have believed 13 through 17. That's Crazy. to me. That was that, just, that is, that is brutal. <clears throat> brutal. Yes. I saw, I, I loved it. I loved a Facebook status. I think from Joe Neistat, it was like, Welcome to the pro division. I shot a 10-4-4 in my first game and lost. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Tens were flying around like popcorn at a movie theater. It was just crazy. Ten, <laughs> ten players in bracket D finished yes. their bracket in pro singles above a 10.0 PPR. In one ten. bracket. In one yes. bracket. I remember the 18. days when you would have one person, one, one, maybe two people for a tournament 
exceed 10. So 18 players uh, above the call is out. Everybody's got to have going to have to turn their game up. So, I mean, um, how exciting for the sport though. I mean, how cool that this is worth that. You're either ready for the big time or you're not. And it's it's it should be, it's a pro sport as it should be. (laughs) That's right. So, so uh, something else that I just kind of wanted to check in on was, you know, we've been harping on the rookie class uh, quite a bit. So I looked at the top 40 positions and out of the top 40 positions, 13 of the 40. So I looked at the top 10 in each bracket, 13 of those positions were manned by rookies. And, and frankly, there were maybe a, a few surprises on who the re- headliners were for the rookie class. So you had uh, Mark Richards, obviously, with a bracket win. Um, Alex Rawls and uh, Tanner Halbert each had a second place finish. And then you had uh, Josh Holland, Alex Hicks, and Phil Lopez with thirds. And then a Jack Gore coming in with a fourth. So, you know, yep. kudos yeah, to them. Had- but big stars did not finish in the top four. Yeah. Across pro singles and pro doubles, if you combine stats. So how did someone do this entire weekend? Right. Combine their PPR across both of them. You had 10 players finish above a 10.0 PPR across for singles and doubles. Wow. Six of those 10 rookies. There we go. Six of them. And one of them was a PDC player. Yes. That's the coolest part. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the top 10, Matt Guy, number one, Josh Holland, number two, Jamie Graham, number three, Cody Johnson, number four, Mark Richards, five, Tanner Halbert, six, Jeff Reynolds, seven, Alex Rawls, eight, Doug Zaft, nine, and Jackson Gore at number 10. So you mentioned hey, the name, you... let me just throw it out there, Cody, Cody Johnson. Like, I don't re- I, I don't recall mentioning now, I... It's easy to say that I, I he's not sneaking up on me, but I don't remember ever saying his name on a broadcast. I, I mean, I know and I knew Cody Johnson coming into this and I knew he was going to be good. I didn't foresee this, though. So I, I knew there would be a couple of rookies that we had not mentioned to just knock it out of the park this weekend. And I think he's a perfect example of that. It's just so deep. But with that combined stat trade, you wish you would have bought now, now that you see the single and double combined? Um. It definitely makes me reconsider, <laughs> but um, no, I, I'm gonna. I'm still gonna stick with it, right? I want to see. I want to see. Um, you know, PPR is only one element of the story. I just like that's the sure. easy stat to just grab, yeah. right? So, um, yeah, I think that's that, that's the that's the easy one um, uh, to go after. Now, another thing, another stat though, Matt Guy had an eight percentage points lead on four bagger percentage. He was the only player he threw above 56% four baggers this weekend across singles and doubles. That's nuts. He's been doing that all year at yeah. 2000 rounds, yeah. like right at 2000 rounds of play. That's, that's just incomprehensible. It really is. You want to, anybody want to take a stab at who had the highest differential per round across singles and doubles this entire weekend? Anthony, take a guess. Matt Guy? Michelle. Jeez, I mean, how do you not take Matt Guy? Mike. I'm not going to go with Matt Guy because he plays so many rounds to win his games. Um, I'm going to go with somebody a little different. I'm going to go with Mark Richards. Mark Richards is correct. You are correct. Winner, winner. (laughs) 0.96. Wow. It was his average differential across both singles and That's doubles amazing. play. 
Now, I just feel like Matt Guy, he he obviously kills it in PPR, but he doesn't block too much. And his games usually last 30 to 40 rounds to get to 21 points. True. So I thought his differential might dip a little. Wow, he's got a weakness in his game. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We know how to beat him, guys. We know how to beat Matt Guy. It's easy. Just do it. Just, just well, listen to what I'm saying. So, guys, before we go, there's one other yeah. thing that I that I, I caught as a trend that I want to throw out there. And, and first things first, I, I, I want to say this. I've been on the ladies bandwagon for a while now. If you remember, I had Cheyenne Renner in my top 10. I spent an entire episode telling you guys about how great Connie Altice is. And, and I think that the women, you know, can sling it. They need to be put on notice after this event. I'm just being blunt here. Ladies, you're yeah. on notice. Out of the top half of the finishers. So top 32 in each bracket. There's only seven women. Yikes. That's it. So well, this is an unfortunate. Finley did did go two and zero out of their little death quadrant, and we thought they'd go zero and two. So in yeah. doubles, they played a little bit better. But yeah, but yeah, I I, I can see I so, can see so where you anybody there. anybody want to venture a guess on who the top finishing women were in the open singles? I know Lori Dual we... killed it in the women's doubles. I wouldn't be surprised to see her up there. There's a tie. There was two players that finished in 18th in their bracket. That was the best ladies finish. That was Cheyenne Renner. And here's a little bit of a surprise for everyone. She threw lights out. Yeti Irwan. Oh. Oh, yeah. She did make a deep run in the bracket. That's true. Yes. And I I happened to have got to see her throw because her and Matthew drew each other in the blind draw. And I got to tell you, she was slinging tens in the blind draw like crazy. She was on fire. So that didn't, knowing that it didn't surprise me to see that she came in 18th. But again, you only had seven ladies finish in the top half of their bracket. So my call is out there to you all. I'm, I'm rooting okay, for you. Is, I'm rooting for you. Such, it's such an unfortunate way to wrap up. I don't like this. I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's Michelle says stop. Michelle, it's positive it's motivation, done. Michelle. It's positive <laughs> motivation because I know they're better. It's true. It's true. We do have to wrap up, though, with our holy hot takes, Mike. But thanks for hopping on for a few minutes here to give us your uh, perspective. All right. Uh, cheers, and then everyone. We'll just run by and we'll run through our hot takes real quick. Trey, what you got? Uh, Mark Richards is Tanner Halbert's biggest obstacle to rookie of the year. It's going to come down to those two for rookie of the year. Anthony. I love it. Hey, Trey, we're on the same train here. I'm taking Mark Richards, too, but I'm going to go to doubles. The rookies doubles team between Lopez and Richards will not only be in the running for rookie of the year, but I'm going to, I'm calling, they're going to win a nationals doubles bracket. Wow. Yes. Wow. Okay. And mine is not that uh, mine is that after this weekend, I think we know nothing about anyone. I think we just, <laughs> we're just wrong you know all the time. We have no idea what's going on. That's my, my, my hot take. That's all I got for you guys. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us.